children, listen to me. Well, you can have uh, that portion of God's word, the first portion that we uh, had read for us by Raymond earlier, Matthew 6, open in front of you. Um, Matthew 6 is really a bit of a jumping off point for us today. We'll be referring to different texts, uh, but our theme today is a way to pray for, for, for different reasons in God's providence. Um, we're not uh, continuing with our, our series in Matthew, although we are choosing a text from Matthew this morning to focus our thoughts, but God willing, uh, in a couple of weeks' time, we'll return to uh, Matthew chapter 4. But this morning, uh, just in light of different events these past few days, thought it would be helpful for us to consider this topic, a way to pray. Imagine that you're standing in a war-torn town or city where a fierce battle has been raging. There's the sound of gunfire around you. There's a vicious enemy that is prowling around. You're part of the army that is there to continue moving forward on this battlefield. And you have fellow soldiers nearby, but they're just as fearful and inexperienced as you are. And you have weapons to hand to protect yourself and to go on the attack, but you don't feel confident in using them. In that situation, maybe the most valuable thing you have is actually your radio don't know if it's still called a walkie-talkie, but uh, the, the soldier's radio, uh, which gives them a direct line to the general, the general who is back at base or who can see the whole battlefield on, on a satellite and who has experience and who is stronger and more powerful and uh, much more experienced at facing the enemy than you are. And the general can see exactly where you are. He can see the situation you're in. He can see the, the enemies that are advancing toward you. He can see uh, the situation that you're in. And so the best thing you can do in that moment is to get on the radio to your general and ask him what you should do next, what your next move should be, how you should go about attacking your enemy. That is the Christian life. At this side of heaven, the Christian life is an intense battle it's a daily struggle and we often neglect the one thing that could perhaps be more useful for us than anything else the communication line we have to our general our commander-in-chief the communication line of prayer and yet for most Christians prayer isn't doesn't seem to be at least as easy as a soldier just hitting a button and speaking into his radio we find it, as Christians, it, it appears to be more difficult than that for us. We find prayer tough at times. We find it strange at times. We find it demanding. Maybe we treat it a little bit like some students at school or university are tempted to treat their least favorite subject or the subject that they're least strong at. Certainly when I was at school, I was guilty of this once or twice, that the subjects that needed more time because I wasn't strong in that area, I tended just to blow it off and hope for the best and sometimes the worst happened when the exam came round. If we're weaker in a particular area, it needs more time, not less. But, as I say, sometimes we find it difficult to pray. Prayer can be far more, it can be far better than just having to slog through the most difficult class at school. And I hope, as we consider God's word today, that as we just go back over some of the basics of prayer, that we will be motivated to pray, we will be encouraged to pray with fresh delight and encouragement and, uh, and, and belief and faith. So first question we're going to think about together today, what is prayer? What is prayer? We might think, well, we're very familiar with what prayer is, but 
We're actually living at a time when this question is being asked by all sorts of people in all walks of life. Eastern religions have enjoyed a, a real surge of popularity in the West today. In recent years, there are practices that, people, that are now very popular for people, and whether they realize it or not, some of these practices have their roots in Eastern religions and Eastern ideas of prayer or meditation. We'll think more about meditation later. Uh, but things like yoga, things like what you might hear sometimes so-called mindfulness, self-contemplation, uh, they're now very popular in our part of the world. Uh, people also will talk about prayer, even people who, don't, who aren't in the practice of prayer, they'll suddenly think about prayer when some of the worst situations of life overtake them. Uh, maybe they're, they're, they're facing an impossible situation. Even very flippantly, sometimes if you're watching sport, the commentator will talk about one team uh, needing a prayer at this point. They're down by a try or they're down by a goal and, and they, need, they need a miracle. And, and you'll hear commentators flippantly talk in those senses. But these things tell us, friends, that there's a human instinct in us for prayer, for communicating with a power that is greater than we are. But true prayer is not about going into self, as the mystic religions would teach us, nor is it simply to be a last resort uh, when we're out of ideas. According to the Bible, prayer is far more than that. Uh, first of all, prayer is, is one side of a conversation. It's one side of a conversation. That's the way uh, Tim Keller puts it in his book uh, on the subject of prayer. He says, prayer is the continuation of a conversation which God has started. Prayer is the continuation of a conversation which God has started. And obviously a conversation needs at least two people for it to happen. Well, some people could maybe talk to an empty room for hours on end, uh, but you need two people for a conversation. Prayer, he says, is our, is our part of the conversation with God. The first part of the conversation is God speaking to us. And so, friends, prayer is, is our response. It's, what, it's our words in response to God's words, the Bible. And so if we want to talk to God as we should, friends, if, if we want to pray as we ought, if we want to know how we're to speak to him and what we're to say to him, then we need to listen first to what he has said to us in the Scriptures. King David says in Psalm 86, verses 11 to 12, Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name, and I will glorify your name forever. You see the reason there David has for wanting to be taught God's truth? It's so that he can glorify God's name. That what he says about God, that what he sings to God, that what he prays to God, that they would glorify God, that they would be true and right. Sometimes you hear people pray, maybe some of you young people, if I can pick on this example, you, you maybe go along to events, particularly for young people at school or university, and there will be those people who pray, and, and they pray very sincerely perhaps, but some of the things they say seem a little bit strange, and you think, does that really square with what we have in God's word? And one of my pet peeves is when someone says, when they're praying, we invite you here, Lord. Well, there's no point inviting God anywhere. He is everywhere all the time. And if we were to read his word, we would know that. If we thought about his word when we prayed to him, we would realize that. If anything, we need to be invited into God's presence. And so that's a minor example, but you take my point that 
if we, need, if we want to know what we should say to God, we need to first listen to what he has said to us. I know my wife, not perfectly, but hopefully after eight and a half or nine years of marriage, better than anyone else. I know what she likes and I know what she doesn't like. And if I came, came home someday and said, Hannah, just sit down and relax. I've got some Doritos for you. And I thought maybe we could watch a horror movie on Netflix tonight. And I was thinking maybe we should buy a cat. Well, Hannah would probably walk out of the room in shock at how poorly her husband knows her because Hannah hates Doritos. She hates horror movies. I don't like them either. And she prefers dogs, not cats. No offense to those of you who own a cat. The point is, if we want to to know how to enjoy fellowship with God, if we want to know what we should say to God, then we need to listen to him and get to know what he says to us in his word. We read earlier from Acts chapter 4, what did that little group of Christians base their prayers on? Not feelings or impressions. They, They gather together after the first time that they face persecution for their preaching. Uh, in Acts chapter 4, they've, the, the apostles have just faced the Jewish authorities to answer for what they've been saying in, in Jerusalem. It's a time of difficulty. It's a time of pressure and persecution for the church. They don't base their prayers on their feelings. They base them on the scriptures, what God has said in that passage that Raymond read. They, they, they quote from Psalm 2. They remember what God has said about how the, the anointed one, the Messiah, is going to face opposition in Jerusalem. And they realize, well, we're united to the Messiah. We've just faced opposition in Jerusalem. And they base their prayers and their requests on what God has said. And so prayer, friends, is the continuation of a conversation that God has started. We need to be listening to the first half of the conversation if we want to know what to pray. Second thing about prayer is that it is possible because of Jesus. Prayer is something that's only possible because of Jesus. What gives us the right to pray at all? This goes back to what I said earlier about the idea of being invited into God's presence. Imagine if someone broke through the security gates at Downing Street in London. Maybe some of you have walked past Downing Street and you might, if you've walked past it, uh, Hannah and I were there a number of years ago, It's a normal looking street, except for the fact that it's got all this huge security uh, at the entrance. But imagine someone somehow got past all of that. Imagine they sprinted down Downing Street, they got through the doors of number 10, they burst into Rishi Sunak's office and they start begging the Prime Minister for help with something. Would the Prime Minister listen to them? Well, he might, but more likely he wouldn't. More likely security would take that man out and uh, apologize to the prime minister for letting him get that close in the, first, in the first place. He hasn't gone about seeing the prime minister in the right way. He hasn't gone about communicating with him in the right way. There is a way provided. There's an email address. There's a phone number. There might even be the opportunity to meet, but you have to go through it the right way. And similarly, friends, the only way that we have any right to be heard by the God who sits enthroned in heaven is through Jesus. Jesus taught his disciples always to pray in his name. He says in John 14, 14, if you ask for anything in my name, I will do it. That's why we say in Jesus' name when we pray. And we don't just need to tag that on to the end of our prayers. Uh, There's a book, I think it's called Praying Backwards, 
uh, by Brian Chappell, or Brian Chappell, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, but he, he focuses in on this issue of praying in the name of Jesus. And he makes the case that perhaps we should begin our prayers in the name of Jesus. It's only through Jesus that we can come to God in the first place. It's only through Jesus that we have any right to be heard by God the Father. If you ask anything in my name, he says, I will do it. And he says, of course, even more famously in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And of course, Jesus is speaking there in part about our salvation, about uh, how we can be in heaven, how we can enjoy eternal fellowship with the Father. But it also tells us how we can speak to the Father here and now, only through Christ. He is that way appointed for us. It's through his blood, it's through his sacrifice, it's through our being united to him by faith, being called sons of God, that we have any right to be heard by the Father. An unbeliever, if and when they pray, might have their prayers answered by God. But God is under no obligation to listen to them and to answer that prayer as they wish. Because they haven't come, perhaps, through the name of Jesus. They haven't come in faith through Jesus. For those who do come in faith in the name of Jesus, he says, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And maybe some of you listening today, either here in person or online, you have a desire, you've been searching for God, you have a desire to pray to him, you, you have a sense that you're under a conviction that you should know him, that you should speak to him. You need to do it in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to do it with faith that his blood covers all your sin. You need to do it realizing that he is the only way that you have any right to be heard by God the Father. So prayer is the, is the continuation of a conversation. It's possible because of Jesus. And the last thing to say about what it is, prayer is a repeated command. Prayer is a repeated command. Prayer is a privilege and it's a gift, but it is also a command. Something as Christians we are commanded to do. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew 6, 5 to 7, when you pray, when you pray, Jesus expects us to pray. It's not a case of if you feel led to pray, if you think you know how to pray, if you think you're good enough to pray. No, he says, when you pray. It's to be a part of our everyday lives as believers. Paul says in Colossians 4, 2, continue steadfastly in prayer. Be watchful in it with thanksgiving. Even more challengingly, he says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. We'll think more about those words later. Prayer can be difficult. Prayer can be demanding. Often we might just not feel like it, but it's commanded and it's expected by the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what prayer is. Uh, secondly, and, more, and much more briefly, I want to consider how do we fuel our prayer lives? You might think, okay, I'm on board with all of this. I know the need to pray, but how do I, how do I get started? Maybe, maybe you've been going through a season where your prayer life has just been a bit cold, a bit erratic. It's not been what you know it could or should be. How do we fuel our prayer lives? Well, a few weeks ago, uh, there was an addition made to the Dromore Manse of uh, a little multi-fuel multi stove. 
Uh, Hannah and I are extremely thankful to the deacons. We, we love the new stove in the living room. It's transformed life in the living room manse. Uh, but we didn't just have the stove installed by itself and expect anything to happen just because the stove is sitting there. We keep a, a coal bucket beside the stove. We have wood kept beside the stove. Uh, nothing happens unless the fuel goes into it. And our prayer lives are like that. We, we can't expect anything to happen unless we've been, we fuel them with the word of God. And we've been thinking about that already. But, the, but there's a bridging step between reading God's word and then praying to God. Uh, and that bridging step, friends, is meditation. Meditation. I wonder what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the word meditation. A lot of people in our culture think of meditation as emptying your mind. There's this word mindfulness, which maybe some of you are used to. You can even, now some of your phones will come with a mindfulness app on them. Um, I had to look up a definition of mindfulness. Mindfulness is a type of meditation in which you focus on being intensely aware of what you're sensing and feeling in the moment without interpretation or judgment. I don't really understand that. You, you are intensely aware of your surroundings, but you don't really interpret your surroundings. That doesn't really make any sense. But again, this comes from Buddhism. This is one of the Eastern sort of mystical religions. And the idea is that you, that you have this meditation, you empty your mind of all thought so that you can somehow reach some higher plane of, of awareness or spirituality. So for the world and for false religions, meditation is the idea of emptying your mind. That's not what meditation is according to God's word. Meditation according to the scriptures is actually filling your mind. Filling your mind with truth that you think about and wrestle with and then use to fuel your prayers. Uh, Tim Keller's book on prayer is worth getting just for how he deals with meditation. Um, he says that meditation is thinking truth out, so teasing it out, and then, he says, thinking it back in again. So you read a piece of scripture, and you chew it over, you wrestle with it, you think it out, and then you use it to pray. You take, for example, a verse that I had actually planned to preach on today, but at Matthew 4, verse 19, Jesus says, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. So let's meditate on those words for just a moment. He says, follow me. Follow my example. Listen to what I say. Watch what I do. And learn from it. And, and learn to do it yourself. He says, follow me. Not just the celebrities you follow on social media. Not just your boyfriend or girlfriend. Not just your professor. But first and foremost, follow Jesus before you follow anyone else. He says, I will make you become fishers of men. That's a promise. This will be the result of following Jesus. It will have an impact on our lives. We will, we will attract others to follow Jesus as well. That's the promise that he makes. He says, I will make you become fishers of men. So it's not going to happen immediately. This is going to be a process. This is going to take time. Maybe we need to think about what areas of our lives are we not following so closely? In what ways could we be better fishers of men? So we've just meditated on Matthew 4, 19. 
We've broken it down. We've thought about each word by itself. We've thought it out and thought it back in again. And then we can use that verse to help us to pray. To pray about how closely we're following Jesus. To confess perhaps the areas in our lives where we haven't been following Jesus. To ask for opportunities to be fishers of men and women and boys and girls. That's what it means to meditate on Scripture. So Scripture and meditation, friends, fuel our prayers. The more we get to know our God, the more we get to know our Savior, the more naturally and eagerly and freely we will pray to him. And this takes time, and it takes discipline, and it takes perseverance. And it's not so much about how long you spend doing this each day. It's on the fact that you do it. And I would encourage you, if you're in the practice of your own daily devotionals, to divide your time evenly between reading and meditating on Scripture and then praying. If you can manage five minutes for reading and meditating, then spend five minutes also praying. If you can manage 10 or 15 minutes on the one, spend 10 or 15 minutes on the other, and so on. Put the phone on Do Not Disturb. Get a room somewhere if you don't already have a place in your house where you do this by yourself, where the family know that when you go there, this is what you're doing. Read, meditate, and pray. And it's like anything else. It takes practice. It takes time. It takes discipline. But the more we do it, the more wonderful it can be. So we've thought about what prayer is. We've thought about uh, how to fuel our prayers. And then thirdly and finally, how exactly do we pray? What's to be our attitude? What What are to be some of the marks of our prayers? Well, first of all, pray like a child. Pray like a child. Now, I don't mean that we should be childish. There's a balance here. Uh, child two in our house, uh, who's now one and a half, uh, when she speaks to me at the minute, she is very direct and to the point. Maybe some of you even sitting here on a Sabbath morning have heard examples of this. But she's, she's very, very direct at the minute. Dad, bib. Dad, toast, jam. Dad, bed. Well, we wish we heard more of a request for bed, but you get the point. She, she has no qualms whatsoever about making her requests clearly known. And sometimes it's in a very self-centered way, and sometimes it's in a very impatient way. And I don't mean that we're to be like that. We're not to be childish, but we're to have a childlike expectancy that we will be heard, and that, what, and that our Father knows what we need. Jessica says those things to me without a second's hesitation because she knows that I can help her. She knows, even though sometimes she tries to do things herself and fails, she knows she needs her mum or her dad to help her. The more we get to know our Father and our Saviour friends, the more the Spirit will encourage us to, in that childlike way, without, without any uh, self-awareness or, 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 or without any qualms, to just come and pray to stop trying to do everything ourselves, to stop being proud and self-dependent and pray for whatever it is we need, whatever it is we're facing, whatever it is we're struggling with. Jesus said that we have to receive the kingdom, not just prayer, but we have to receive the kingdom like a little child. There's to be a childlike quality to every aspect of the Christian life in some ways. And that is doubly true for our praying. So we pray like a child. Also, we're to pray without ceasing. 
This is what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray without ceasing. And you might think, well, how am I supposed to do that? You know, okay, I can understand the need to maybe take 15 or 20 minutes the start of the day to read and pray, but I have to get out to work. I have to look after my children. I have things I need to do. We, we can't just be nonstop praying 24-7. Well, of course we, we can't, and that's, that's not what Paul is suggesting here, but um, I like to think of it this way, and again, use a, a battlefield illustration, and maybe it'll be helpful for you. Think back to that soldier with his radio on the battlefield. When he's under fire, he, he doesn't have time to use too many words. If he's facing heavy fire, he shouts into the radio exactly what he needs as quickly as he can. You know, air cover, send, send in tanks, send in, uh, send in backup as quickly as you can. He's just going to say it as quickly and urgently as he can. Other times, though, when he's not under fire but has more time to talk, a, a longer conversation might be possible. Thinking about what's our strategy for the day ahead. If our enemies come up over the hill, what are we going to do? How are we going to face them? What, what does our general think is the best way to advance given the particular terrain or situation that we're going to be facing in the next few hours or days? And that's a bit like our prayer lives, friends. Sometimes there's time for the longer conversation. Sometimes there's time to commit the day, commit the week, uh, maybe even commit the year into God's hands for those extended times of prayer. But other times, we just have to get a request out as quickly as we can as we're driving to the appointment, as we're heading into the exam hall, as we're meeting up with someone who perhaps has asked us to meet them for a coffee, they're, they're going through something difficult, they need our help, they need our support, just a quick arrow prayer, sometimes we call it, as we're heading out, as we're on the battlefield, just a, a quick rapid fire shout out to our Father for what we need. Praying unceasingly means long prayers, short prayers. Panic prayers, thankful prayers, prayers of praise, prayers of confession, prayers of need, prayers when things have gone exactly as we wanted, prayers when things haven't gone as we wanted at all. It's bringing God into every part of your day, believing that he's in control over all of it, not just trying to do it all ourselves. If the kids are playing up if the work is piling up, if you can't see the forest for the trees in terms of the, the difficulties and challenges that you're facing on a particular day, bring it to the Lord. He's in control of all of it. Whether it's a five-second prayer or a 20-minute prayer, he will hear and he will answer. So pray like a child. Pray without ceasing. Pray with boldness. Pray with boldness. This maybe feeds back into what I was saying about that childlike attitude. But uh, again, in Acts chapter 4, we, it's striking the boldness of the believers as they gather to pray. Uh, they, they pray with boldness and they receive boldness so that they're able to continue faithfully proclaiming the gospel in Jerusalem, uh, despite the opposition that they were beginning to face. And when you know and believe the promises Jesus made, you will pray for boldness and you will pray with boldness. Jesus says in Mark eleven twenty four, 24, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Jesus says elsewhere that 
If you pray with faith, you can move mountains. What does he mean by that? He means the seemingly impossible things of life. Our witness to our non-Christian friends, our battles with particular sins, whatever they may be for each one of us that we're particularly prone to. Jesus says, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it. Be bold in what you ask. Pray together. This is to be another feature of our prayers, that we don't just pray alone, but we pray together. There's so much for us to be praying about in our church, friends. Go to a prayer meeting. Even if you don't pray out loud, you can go and you can listen to the prayers of others. That will encourage you. Think of particular older men in my own congregation when I was growing up. And when I was younger, I didn't pray myself at, at, at the prayer meetings, but I loved listening to those men pray. Come to the prayer meetings. Listen to the prayers. Contribute yourself if you feel led to do so. But pray with others. It's like those embers in the fire that it quickly goes out. If you separate them from each other, you need to bunch them together for the fire to be ablaze. And sometimes it's the same for believers. We need to be together. We need to be praying together. We're told in Acts chapter 4, as soon as the apostles had faced the uh, Jerusalem authorities, the Jewish authorities, they went to their friends. They went to their fellow Christians and they prayed. Have someone that you meet with to pray, whether of course, if you're married, we should be praying with and for our spouses regularly. Maybe there's a friend that you meet up with regularly as well outside of that. That's why we have our uh, men's and women's fellowship groups also to be fostering friendship amongst each other and to be praying for each other. Pray together, not just always alone. And then the last thing is that we should pray kingdom prayers. We should pray kingdom prayers Jesus gives us a, an outline of how to pray in the Lord's Prayer, which Raymond read for us earlier. And Jesus shows us in the Lord's Prayer that it's absolutely fine and right to pray for physical necessities and physical needs. He says in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. So of course, we're at liberty to pray for our needs, for those who are sick, for particular practical circumstances of our lives. Friends, I want to urge us not to be praying for those things at the exclusion of what I would call kingdom prayers. Jesus also taught us to pray, your kingdom come. And if you read through the prayers of Paul, if you read later on, for example, from Ephesians chapter 3 and Paul's prayer there, Paul, for all the times that he was in prison, Paul never asks, as far as I'm aware, for prayer that he would get out of prison. He never says he's praying for someone to feel better after sickness of some kind. Now, he, he talks about those things. And again, let me emphasize, it's not wrong to pray for those things. But Paul tends to pray for the spiritual needs of the church. He prays that they would grasp the height and width and depth of God's love for us in Christ Jesus. He prays that they would be abounding in the work of the Lord. He prays that they would be growing. Peter says, grow in grace and knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He tells us to put to death what is earthly within us and to put on what is holy. In other words, friends, Paul is much more concerned in his prayers with the spiritual health of the church than the physical. 
Are people getting saved? Are believers maturing in their faith? Is Jesus being worshipped and adored? Those priorities should be our priorities as well. So those are some ways to pray. To pray like a child, to pray without ceasing, to pray with boldness, to pray together, and to pray kingdom prayers. I mentioned the battlefield at the start. Where in your life does it feel like a battlefield this week? From what we heard earlier today, uh, we've been reminded of the fact that we are very much on the battlefield as the wider church in this time and place in which we find ourselves. But maybe for you personally, the battle is fiercest at your school, you young people. There are few, if any, other Christians. Living life with faith in Christ makes you stand out and feel awkward. Maybe for some of you, the, the battle is fiercest in, in your private places, on your screens or when you're out with your mates. It's where Satan tempts or deceives. Maybe the battle is fierce in your workplace. Again, the pressure of working with unbelieving colleagues or maybe having to take positions on things because of your faith that others aren't. Sometimes maybe you feel like you're on a battlefield and there's not an ally in sight. Remember, friends, the communication line with your commander-in-chief is always open. Remember that he has spoken to you first. Treasure up what he has said in your heart. Meditate upon it. Let it fuel what you say back to him. We get to praise him and love him and confess to him and thank him and make our pleas to him all through the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who sweated blood as he prayed ahead of giving himself up for us on the cross. And through him, we do have that way to pray to our heavenly father. So let's take every opportunity to do so. Amen. <clears throat>